Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfell-Shaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the country I'm in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? So, this week, it's just going to be me trying to answer that question. I rather unfairly, at the last minute, tried to move our recording slot later with Kate, and she very reasonably has many things she wants to do, particularly now that the UK has opened up. The barriers to getting out and swimming and meeting friends and being outdoors have been removed, and Kate is making the most of that. And so I thought I'd have an experiment of trying to do this solo and seeing how successful it was. I am still in Baku. (laughs) Believe it or not, I think this is what, like six weeks, six weeks in Baku and I'm still here. But I do have news about the ferry and I want to tell you a little story. So on Friday morning, I woke up, I uh, did some Russian, I did some sax practice, I went for a run, I came back and uh, it was about 10 o'clock and I was feeling really great because I'd done the things I really wanted to do that day and I hadn't looked at my phone and at 10 o'clock I was like, you know, I'll just check and make sure nothing's going on. I take my phone off aeroplane mode and there are 20 missed calls. And Nijat, who was my point man for the ferry, called me first at midnight on a Thursday night. And I was asleep. My phone was on silent and I didn't see a thing. And he said, Luke, you know, he sent me a message saying, Luke, Luke, you know, the ferry is here. Great news. It leaves at eight o'clock in the morning. And then at sort of 7.30 in the morning, there's another message like, Luke, Luke, the ferry's about to leave. Where are you? I can't get through to you. And just before I picked up my phone, Nija had sent the message that the ferry had left. So um, if you're wondering why I'm still in Baku and why this ferry is difficult to catch, that is kind of your answer. I've been waiting for, at that point, I've been waiting for almost two weeks for the ferry. It was there for all of that time. It was just waiting for enough um, lorries and vehicles to, so it could go full. Um, and as soon as it was full, even though that I was at midnight, eight hours later, 10 hours later, it was off without me on it. So I'm, I'm still in Baku. Uh, Maya from the Kazakh embassy has been a star and is trying to get me onto a freight ferry. So I think I will be doubling up as a shipping container which will be interesting. And even that is not straightforward. So the freight ferry was potentially going to leave on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday. And I'm very much hoping, I'm recording this on Monday, that it might be leaving today. Um, So this ferry actually isn't in the port, it is just offshore and it's waiting to dock Uh, But it can't do that until the winds are very, very light. And uh, we might have mentioned this before, but Baku is known as the Windy City. And for good reason, last night I didn't really sleep that well because the wind was howling. 
and I not just in like a sort of wind through the trees it sounds nice um it's breezy out there it's like the wind was going to knock the apartment block over or it felt like there was a giant kind of scratching at the windows trying to sort of just push this concrete structure over you know it's a 40 mile an hour wind um so understandably the ferry it hasn't docked yet but it might be a bit calmer later and i'm sort of very much i'm hedging my bets i'm probably going to cycle down to the port after recording this and seeing how long i wait um and it might be a few hours and who knows it might be a few days but um fingers crossed i will be getting moving um now, Lucy Gossage asked a, a question, which uh, I think was a great one. Thank you so much, Lucy. Um, and she was asking, how do you change your mindset when things aren't going your way? And that has like very much been the case over these past like six weeks here in Azerbaijan, uh, waiting for visas and then waiting for the ferry, that it hasn't kind of gone according to plan. And I suppose for me, I... First of all, it just hasn't been easy. Like, it has not been easy. I um, have had times where I've been like, well, what am I doing? You know, I haven't been nearly as productive. I haven't got as much done as I wanted to because had I known I was going to be still here in two weeks' time, well, I'd have, I'd have just gone off traveling and I would have explored different parts of Azerbaijan and uh, perhaps I would have got involved in some projects. Um, but I, I didn't realize that. So, of course... I think one of the things that comes out of this is you can't dwell on the what-ifs. So it's very easy for me to look back and say, well, you know, considering I was here for six weeks, I could have done so much. Well, actually, on each and every passing day, I genuinely thought that I could be needed in Baku or the ferry was about to arrive. And those were very reasonable assumptions. So I think it's so important to just give oneself and, you know, in this case, give myself credit for just be like, okay... That was a good decision at the time. The um, It hasn't ended up being sort of like you've made the most of your time in a sense, but you are based on the assumptions and the information that you had, expecting that you were going to be going any day now was quite a reasonable assumption. Um, but I think what for me I've tried to sort of change my mindset in terms of getting getting the most out of the situation, I think that is just... I guess it's a mantra of mine um, and recognizing that there was a lot that I couldn't do you know I, I couldn't carry on with the cycle um, I had to stay in Baku because I thought that I was going to be getting a visa any day and then having to depart from Baku for the ferry any day so I couldn't explore different parts of the country because it would take me too long to get back to Baku and then over to the port so then there was a case of how do I want to spend my time? What can I do? And I have really wanted to sort of get my Russian up to standard. It's been a dream of mine for years. I think it will be for the rest of my life. So I've managed over the last couple of weeks to put some good time in and experiment with how I'm learning. I, in the past, I was always one for like vocab lists and just writing out lists and lists of vocab, which was deadly dull. Now I'm trying to just be a bit more inventive, like watching films, listening to songs and trying to write down the words of the songs, which I suck at. I find it really difficult to pick out words, but then going through the lyrics and writing down the lyrics, translating the lyrics. And it's something that I got from Hamilton that I was amazed at 
how easily I remembered the words of the songs, and I'm hoping that's also going to help me learn vocab in Russian. So that's been one thing I've really got stuck into, and it's helped me make the most of you know where I am right now. And you know I'm not on the bike, but I do have this amazing opportunity to sort of set myself up a little bit better for chatting in Russian over you know across Central Asia. There was something else I wanted to talk about, which for me has been a bit of a revelation. So over the first three weeks I was here in Azerbaijan. I have this sort of list of things that I want to do. I want to, you know, do a half-hour chunk of Russian. I want to do a, a run. I want to um, do half an hour of writing, half an hour of saxophone practice. Like all of this is stuff, and it actually became incredibly sort of intimidating for myself when I was looking at the start of my day and it's like, if I'm to be successful today, then I need to have basically like five really high-quality hours. And when you get up in the morning, you're like, that's quite a lot. Before I can get on with my day, there's so much I really want to have achieved. And actually, for me, it became very counterproductive. And it was through a conversation I had with my mum that I coined something that I call the 10-minute mantra. I'm sure other people have already come across this, but it was kind of new to me, and I'm just amazed how well it's helped. And that is, rather than trying to do lots, you know, and say I want to do an hour of Russian study, which to me feels like quite an intimidating prospect. I'll just do ten minutes. I can always find time for ten minutes, and it's amazing because you're like, okay, I can I can do ten minutes. That's fine. That's that doesn't sound too onerous. And you do ten minutes, and you're like, oh, I just want to do a little bit more. And if you have time, if there's time in the day, then and I have had a lot of time, and it's just expanded and stretched, and I've kind of gone down all sorts of different rabbit holes. But had I set out to do an hour's study. I'm not sure I would have even got started because, or I would have just felt like, oh, the time is passing by. Let me just get to the end of this hour. But because it, the learning's been like very self-directed, it's totally changed how enjoyable and how expansive it's become. It's totally weird. I'm sure this is stuff that everyone else has already cracked like years ago. But for me, over these last two or three weeks, it's been a really awesome chance to learn. How to learn better, which again is a cliche, but like how to make it enjoyable, and that's what they say. Like learning should be fun, and I thought if I was reading a BBC article in Russian, that's fun, isn't it?、Mm, actually, it's quite it's quite difficult and not necessarily that enjoyable. But translating the lyrics to Frozen for me, that's fun. Before we end, we have one more question from Jay Hun Satar, and thank you for your question, Jay. What Would you do if money was no object? And I thought this was a really, really interesting question because it really ties in with something that I think about a lot in terms of what is meaningful in our lives. What is meaningful in my life? And the thought experiment that I have, or the scenario I like to sort of set up, is that you know, imagine one day you wake up and you just have you have everything you everything that you want. If that's a house, if it's a car, it's The ability to just get on a plane and travel anywhere—you just have it all there. Well, what do you do then? What is it that gets you up in the morning when you already have these things that we spend so much of our life working towards—the status and the high-level career, having a house, having a coffee machine, if you're me? So, what do you do in that situation? 
when you have everything, what is going to get you up in the morning? What is going to motivate you? And I think ultimately that's something we all need to spend a lot of time on because it is a super difficult question and I've spent lots of time thinking about it and I still think it's super difficult. But for me, I think, what would I get up in the morning if I had if money was no object? A range of experiences right now is one of the most valuable things I can think of. And part of that comes through traveling. That can also very much be through spending time with my friends, with my family, with loved ones. That to me is where, where I'm at right now. I think in the future, actually added to that is also something I've found incredibly rewarding and motivating is sharing some of my experience and passion for living and motivation and just to see the impact that has for me is one of the most motivating things that I've ever done and it's why there's a podcast and it's why I write about things because hopefully it has a tiny little impact and so that's something that I really feel very passionate about doing and continuing to do is to sort of somehow contribute in a way that is, is effective and plays to my own strengths. So that's a bit of an answer. However, it would also definitely change across the, the coming years. You know, if I'm lucky enough that that stretch to decades, I think what will be motivating at different points in my life will be sort of quite different. And I'm aware of that. But right now at 27 years old, with relatively few responsibilities, I feel very lucky to be very motivated by finding seeking out, creating as many different rich experiences. That's both the good and the bad with a variety of different people in a huge range of places. And I think for me, that's, that's incredibly exciting. And I think that can be done also wherever you are in the world. And I think even on your doorstep. So perhaps that's a challenge for everyone listening to Go and do, find something different to, to look at your immediate environment, the people around you in a different way. And I would be amazed if you weren't able to experience something you had totally no idea was, was possible wherever you are and hopefully in a really, really positive way. Right now, I need to pack up my things and I genuinely mean that. They're strewn around the apartment where I'm staying. Pack them out and in 15 minutes, I need to be gone because some new people are moving in. So I shall be off to the port. I hope that next week I will be telling you I'm in Kazakhstan. However, if life is anything to go by, it's unpredictable, it's full of surprises, and I try not to take very much for granted. But until next week, goodbye. And that was this week's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it and thanks so much for listening. We put a lot of time into the podcast, so please do support us by subscribing, reviewing and rating. And please send in your questions that you have about any aspect of life on the road to Bristol to Beijing on social media. Until next week, goodbye.